You want James Bond as a co-founder. Paul Graham. What follows is a collection of long quotes from some of the greats, all together in one place, on the topic of co-founders. These speakers are the people who have the experience. They've seen it again and again, and their thoughts are offered up here without comment because we can't really improve on them. Everything in a startup gets modeled after the founders. Whatever the founders do becomes the culture. So if you want a culture where people work hard and pay attention to detail and focus on the customer and are frugal, you have to do it yourself. There's no other way. You're looking for co-founders that are unflappable, tough. They know what to do in every situation. They act quickly. They're decisive. They're creative, ready for anything. And it turns out there's a model for this in pop culture. And it sounds really dumb, but it's at least very memorable. That model is James Bond. You need someone who behaves like James Bond more than you need someone who is an expert in some particular domain. In addition to relentlessly resourceful, you need a tough and calm co-founder. Everyone knows you need a smart co-founder. They don't prioritize tough and calm. Sam Altman You know, people always ask me, why do you think Airbnb is going to be such a great company? It's because all three founders are as good as the other founders. That is very rare. When you start a company, you have got to find somebody as good or better than you to be the co-founder. If you do that, your chance of success grows astronomically. And that is why Airbnb became so successful, so quickly. The anomaly is Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook. Yes, he has an awesome team. But the Mark Zuckerberg phenomenon, where it is one person, is the outlier. So when you start a company, you have got to find phenomenal co-founders. Ron Conway, speaking in 2014. The best founders work on things that seem small, but they move really quickly. They get things done really quickly. Every time you talk to the best founders, they've gotten new things done. In fact, this is the one thing that we've learned best predicts success of founders in YC. If every time we talk to a team, they've gotten new things done, that's the best predictor we have that the company will go on to be successful. Speed is at this huge premium. The best founders usually respond to email the most quickly. They make decisions the most quickly. They're generally quick. Sam Altman In fact, one of the big mistakes founders make is not to trust their intuitions about people enough. They meet someone who seems impressive, but about whom they feel some misgivings. And later when things blow up, they say, you know, I knew there was something wrong about that guy, but I ignored it because he seemed so impressive. Especially if you come from an engineering background, you think that business is supposed to be this slightly distasteful thing. And so when you meet people who seem smart, but somehow distasteful, you think, well, okay, this must be normal. But it's not. Pick people the way you would pick people if you were picking friends. Work with people you genuinely like and respect and that you have known long enough to be sure because there's a lot of people who are very good at seeming likable for a while. Just wait until your interests are opposed and then you'll see. Paul Graham Great founders don't put anyone between themselves and their users. These founders do things like sales and customer support in the early days. The specific problem we see with Stanford startups for some reason, is that the students try to hire sales and customer support people right away. And you've got to do this yourself. It's the only way. Sam Altman
People always ask me, what's the secret to being a successful CEO? Sadly, there is no secret. But if there's one skill that stands out, it's the ability to focus and make the best move when there are no good moves. Ben Horowitz, The Hard Thing About Hard Things Everyone says you should watch out for tensions brewing between co-founders and address it immediately. And that's all true, and certainly in YC's case, the number one cause of early death in startups is co-founder blow-ups. But for some reason, a lot of people treat choosing their co-founder with even less importance than they put on hiring. Don't do this. This is one of the most important decisions you make in the life of your startup. Choosing people with whom you're not friends, so that when things are really going wrong, you don't have this sort of past history to bind you together, usually ends in disaster. The track record for founders that don't already know each other is really bad. Sam Altman Sometimes people believe it, sometimes they don't. If everything goes great, it doesn't matter who your investors are, but almost never does everything always go great. Even the big successful companies, even Facebook, all these big companies that are now considered to be very successful, all along the way, all kinds of shit hit the fan over and over and over and over again. There are any number of stressful board meetings and discussions, and late night meetings with the future of the company at stake where everyone really needs to be on the same team and have the same goals, be pulling in the same direction, have a shared understanding, have the right kind of ethics and the right kind of staying power to actually weather the storms that come up. One of the things you will find is a big difference for first-time founders versus second-time founders is almost always the second-time founders take that point much more seriously after they have been through it once. So it really, really, really matters who your partner is. It really is like getting married, and it really is worth putting in the same amount, maybe not quite as much time and effort as when picking your spouse, but it is worth spending significant time really understanding who you are about to be partnered with. Mark Andreessen What about co-founders that aren't working in the same location? Um, don't do it. I am skeptical of remote teams in general, but in the early days of a startup, where communication and speed outweigh everything else, for whatever reason, video conferencing and calls just don't work that well. Look at the 30 most successful startups of all time and try to point to a single example where the co-founders were in different locations. Sam Altman Founders navigate apparent paradoxes. One that I frequently talk about is that you have to be both flexible and persistent. Entrepreneurs are often given the advice. Have a vision. Stay firm against adversity. Realize that you have this vision that is contrarian and just stay on track and get through the difficult times and get there. The other piece of advice, given with equal vigor, is listen to data. Listen to customers. Pivot. Be flexible. In terms of being a great founder, is to say, well, when should I be persistent? When should I be flexible? LinkedIn, PayPal, Airbnb, a whole bunch of startups I've been a part of, had months where you were like, oh my god, why did we ever think this was a good idea? However, you say, what do we do in order to fix it? And that gives you your immediate action plan. Reid Hoffman 
The word fanatical comes up again and again when you listen to the way successful founders talk about their product. Sam Altman One of the tests that I frequently use in interaction is I push on the idea. And what I'm looking for is both flexibility and persistence. I'm looking for, no, I have conviction in what I'm thinking and I'm arguing it, but I'm listening to what you're saying and I'm adapting to the concerns and whatnot about how you think about it. Sometimes you'll find someone who has learned to mimic this behavior but is actually ignoring you. Ignoring me, that might be fine, but ignoring the world in general is usually a disaster. Reed Hoffman On splitting equity A lot of co-founders like to leave this off for a very long time. They'll even sign the incorporation documents in some crazy way, so they can wait to have this discussion. This is not a discussion that gets easier with time. You want to set this ideally very soon after you start working together and it should be near equal. If you're not willing to give your co-founder an equal share of the equity, I think that should make you think hard about whether you want them as a co-founder. But in any case, you should try to have the ink dry on this before the company gets too far along, like certainly in the first number of weeks. But what happens when the relationship with your co-founder falls apart? Here's the most important thing that founders screw up. Every co-founder has to have vesting. Basically, what you're doing with co-founder vesting is you're pre-negotiating what happens if one of you leaves. The normal stance on this in Silicon Valley is that say you split the equity 50-50, it takes four years to earn all of that and the clock doesn't start until one year in. If you don't do this, and if you have a huge fallout and one founder leaves early on with half the company, you have this deadweight on your equity table and it's very hard to get investors to fund you or do anything else. We pretty much won't fund a company now where the founders don't have vested equity because it's just that bad. Sam Altman Thank you for listening. This article originally appeared on VentureScale.co. Additionally, if you would like to read or share it, find us on our blog at acro.co.za.